0: You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. Amen. Would you stay standing, please? We're going to read from the Word of God. We're going to do a little bit a different flow than we're used to. We're going to save the worship for after the message. But um, I want to read from Psalms 96. You don't even have to pull out your Bibles or your phone apps, this, because we're going to read it together as a corporate body, a corporate church. And so when you see the text highlighted or in the text color of yellow, that means you all have to speak those words as loudly and clearly and as together As possible. Can we try that together? Can we try that together? All right. Who's here ready to worship God for who He is? Yeah, that's right. So let's let's do this. Verse one. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Not something old, not something stale. God is always doing something new. And so worship always requires a fresh, a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth, sing to the Lord and bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Ready? Declare. Sound great. For great, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised he is to be feared above all other gods for all other gods of the peoples are worthless idols what he's meaning here is an idol is anything that we give worth more than the god of creation anything we give value anything we give worship to is an idol And God says, Those are all worthless in comparison to my majesty and my righteousness and my holiness. And then it goes on and it says, For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Loud and clear, here we go. Splendor and majesty are before you, strength and beauty. Ascribe to the Lord. What's that word? We do not usually use that word, ascribe. Ascribe means to humbly give credit, humbly give acknowledgement to God for the attributes and character that he already has and that belongs to him. That's ascribing. So to humbly give credit, to humbly acknowledge all that God has and is. So it says, ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, which is already his. Ascribe to the Lord glory due to his name. Bring an offering. An offering is something we sacrifice. An offering is something that has value. An offering is something that costs us. And it says, bring an offering to the Lord. Come into his presence, into his courts. Let's say this together. Worship the Lord. Come on, tremble before him, all the earth. Here we go. Say among the nations. Let's try it again. Say among the nations. Third time is a charm. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established, it shall never be moved. He will judge the people with uh, equity, which is fairly, justly. Let the heavens, ready? Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar. Let the field everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Any hunters out there know what that means. Before the Lord, for he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. This is talking about his just and fair judgment over the world. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. So let's just do this again. I'm gonna say, say among our people, and you're gonna say, the Lord reigns. Say among our people, the Lord. Say among our people. Say amongst this Blanchester community. God bless you, you may be seated. Thank you, worship team. We will see you shortly. How many know And can honestly say, the Lord is faithful and good. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. The Lord is so faithful and so good. And we just, uh, speaking of God's faithfulness, we just um, finished a six-week series called Family Matters. Did you enjoy that? Uh, We put out a video. Thank you. Uh, We put out a a video uh, from our staff to you on Facebook and uh, it's also on our YouTube channel, and we would love for you to visit that and listen to that. We're just kind of wrapping up the series and sharing our heart of how we help families win. And so this week launches a two-week series because we have this week, then we have next Sunday, which is the 24th, and then we have Thanksgiving, y'all. And then right after Thanksgiving comes December 1st, where we're going to start a brand new series, a Christmas series series called Make Room. We all need to make room in our hearts for the true meaning of Christmas. It's coming in three weeks. And so before all the holiday season and all the plans and all the tasks and all everything that needs to be done and takes our focus, by the way, I think the Family Matters series is something to re-watch and re-listen to during the holiday season. Because it allows us to keep the priorities of what really matters in our focal point. And so in order to enter into this season, excuse me, this holiday season, I think it's very fitting for us to understand the heart of worship. And so the question of this two-part series is what is worship? What is worship? when we enter into thanksgiving and we start to give thanks to God and we're grateful for what he's done. But what is worship? And I just wanna ask you that, just my heart to your heart. What is worship to you? A huge percentage of Christians will tell you it's gathering together in a building and singing praises to God. That's not necessarily wrong, but it's not exactly right either, because worship is so much more. And so my desire and prayer for all of us today is that we would get just a glimpse of God's heart for worship and what our part for worship looks like. The next week, we're going to take an even deeper approach or look into our own heart, and the expressions of how we worship individually and corporately. And I think this is very needed in our body, because I think the majority of us would say our worship individually and as a church probably isn't where we'd like it to be. And so that means we need to go back to the root, the question of what is worship. And so before we dive in, would we just bow our hearts and our our heads, our eyes, and push away distractions. Would you just take a moment to grab onto one character, one attribute of God that he has shown to you recently? What is it? Is it his goodness? His peace, his comfort, his righteousness, his forgiveness, his strength? What is it? Just just fix on that for a minute. And now just, you can whisper it or you can just speak it internally to God and just say thank you for your, and fill in the blank, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience and your kindness. Thank you for your greatness, your mercy that never fails, your holiness, your righteousness. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. You have our attention. And now, Holy Spirit, presence of the Almighty Father, through Jesus Christ, who paid it all for us. I invite you as a sweet aroma and fragrance to fill this place. I invite you to push out every distraction. And as 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, we destroy strongholds and we tear down anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought this morning to obedience of Christ Jesus. Teach us, God. Teach us your ways, your heart, in Jesus' name. Amen. What is worship? The worship pastor at Gateway Church, uh, many of you know Carrie Job. That's where she started, and uh, his name is Zach Nessie. And um, He says this, this is one of my favorite quotes of all time on worship. Without worship, we are simply religious people working dutifully, faithfully at religious tasks. Without worship, we are religious people going through the religious routine. Do you know any of them? Maybe they live in your home. Maybe they're in the mirror in front of you. And so if this is so important to the Christian walk, then we need to understand the foundational truth of what worship is. Because let's be honest, parents, if you expect your kids to follow through on a life goal for them, and you never communicate what that looks like to them, and you never speak that to them. You cannot be mad at them and disappointed when they don't do it, right? Well, I expected this of you. Well, mom, dad, you never told me what you expected, And I think it's the same thing. If we don't know, if we don't know and pursue for ourselves what worship is, if this is one of the most important things to God, if this is really what we were designed to do, to be worshipers of the Creator, then don't you think we need to know what that looks like? Well, I just trust the pastor. That's that's not good. (laughs) Because pastors are just men and women. Flawed. Worship is so much more than singing. Without worship, we are simply religious people going through religious tasks. And so I want us to really define it, but I don't want us to get lost in the theology of it, nor the big words of it, and so I'm gonna keep it to two points. Number one, what is worship? And worship for God. We're gonna look at that three-letter word, for. What does that mean? And so simply put for all of us and you can write this down take a picture of the of the slide because it will be on the screen what is worship simply put worship is responding to the greatness of God That's pretty simple right It's responding responding worship is a response but the key to worship is who we're responding to the greatness of God. It's nothing we can bring, nothing we can do, nothing we can be or 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 try to muster or create. It is responding. It's not up there. Sorry responding to the greatness. I'm pointing here, and it's not that. Responding to the greatness of God. Since it's not on the screen, and that's probably my bad, would you just repeat after me? It's responding to the greatness of God. Responding to the greatness of God. That's it. Responding. But it's to His greatness that we respond. And so worship is putting God in the greatness category and looking at his greatness and his worth and then responding in such a way. So I'd like to now take it a little deeper and look at the Greek and the Hebrew word. You may not know this, but the Bible was was originally written in Hebrew and Greek. And then it was later on, it was translated into English and many other languages. And so For me, I will never battle over the translation of the Bible because we all have to go back to the Greek and the Hebrew. Okay? If you really want to know what God's word says, study Greek and Hebrew. And so that's why we have all these different translations because they're trying to get to the heart of what God is saying. So the Greek word, the Greek word used in the New Testament is proskineo. Proskineo what does it mean it means to revere it means to be in awe to adore here's the strange word for worship is to kiss to kiss it occurs 60 times in the new testament referring to worship 60 times that's a lot But you see, you can't have reverence for something you don't get close to. You really can't revere something you don't understand or fully grasp. You can't adore someone. I know mom and dad, we adore our kids. We adore our family. We adore uh, dads. We adore our wives. We adore our parents. we, we, We adore people we have a deep, intimate relationship with. Adoration only comes from deeply knowing the goodness of somebody. And reverence comes from an honest and sincere place in our hearts. But if we don't understand the greatness of God, we can't revere the great God. It will just be motions and routines and tasks. But adoration, comes from knowing the intimacy, the faithfulness of our Father, our God, our Lord and Jesus, and Savior Jesus Christ. Proskineo, to revere, to adore, to kiss, to prostrate oneself, to bow. That leads us to the Hebrew word. And if you understand the Old Testament biblical culture, you're going to understand that this was huge back then. And it's this shaka shaka it's in hebrew you got to get some phlegm in your throat and really spit it for hebrew shaka yes, some of you are hawking a loogie right now i heard you to bow down to bow down to prostrate not prostate to prostrate oneself my dad was a preacher, and he taught many years ago, probably before me, and he was talking about the angels prostrating down, and he said, prostating. And um, that message went way downhill. So anyways, love you, Daddy's in Hawaii. Um, love you. So to bow down, to prostrate oneself as an act of respect before a superior being. And in Old Testament times... Physically, that was just something you did when anyone of royalty, authority, or any kind of respect, you bowed low. You bowed low. That's why you even see in Jesus' time, you see the women, especially when they realize this is not just a rabbi, this is the Son of God. They bowed physically. Now, I know that, uh, especially in the American culture, we don't see people just bowing. Not even in church, really. Sometimes, sometimes because we don't understand what it means. It's the posture of our heart and the New Testament. You see, the Old Testament was all about physical sacrifice, doing in order to meet with God. There was a tabernacle, there was a holy place, and then there was a most holy place where the high priest would go in one time a year with a blameless sacrificial lamb and offer it to God for the sins of the people. It was only then, where God would then show up and speak and have favor upon his people. But there was always a ritual or something physically to do to honor and worship God. And then we move into the New Testament where Jesus talks about the heart. So if you read this Hebrew word and you think it's just a physical posture, we've missed it. Because it is a physical posture, but it is only a byproduct of the posture of your heart. Of your heart. Because Jesus said he came to seek and save the heart of the lost. It's the heart. Don't believe me? Let's go to Psalms 51. Psalms 51, verse 16 through 17. For you, O God, will not delight in sacrifice... That word meant something. It cost them something. They had to sacrifice for every sin, every wrong, every kind of defilement. If they were sick, they had to make a sacrifice. And the sacrifice was not just something they went and grabbed that maybe had some scratches and dents, or maybe the flour and the spices had sat for a while. It was your best, your very best that you offered to God For you will not delight in our sacrifice anymore, O Lord, or I would bring it, David says. This is while he's repenting of his sin, by the way. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a, say those two words, broken spirit, and to say those other two two words, broken and contrite heart. A broken spirit, a broken and contrite, sincere, genuine heart, O God, you will not despise. God is after your hearts. Your hearts, who you are. Romans 12, I love this. This is the worship passage of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul is saying, therefore, brothers and sisters, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present yourselves as living sacrifices. Say living sacrifices. Living sacrifices. Yeah, that meant something to the Jewish people and the Gentiles back then because they understood sacrifice. Now, it's not something we place on the altar as an animal that sheds its blood because the perfect, spotless Lamb Jesus Christ died and laid his life on the cross for us. We don't have to do that anymore. Now we're living because Christ lives in us. The Bible says that we are living temples of God. No longer is it a building. Thank you, Jesus. It's no longer a building that we have to go through all the rituals and all the sacrifices, and only one person gets to reap the benefit of it. We're now living temples because Jesus paid for our sin. And the Holy Spirit comes and makes us new. The dead man, the dead woman, because of sin, is paid for. I would say it's not necessarily gone because we live in our human fleshly body, but it's paid for, it's defeated, it's cleansed, it's done. Salvation on the cross spells D-O-N-E. Salvation does not spell D-O. Sacrifice, offering It spells done It's paid for So Romans 1 or Excuse me, 12, 1 says I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters By the mercies of God To present, to present To offer, to give To surrender your bodies As a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable To God and then, when you think he's done, he says, By the way, this is your spiritual act of worship. This is what we're called to do. And we do it because this is who we're called to be worshipers of a God who loved us so much that he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him, Jesus Christ, will not perish but it will have everlasting life with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is good news. The heart of worship, follow along with me, the heart of worship is one that comes into the presence of God sincerely, reverently, joyfully, gratefully, thankfully with a postured heart down low, knowing that He is God, and we are not. And we are fully surrendered to the Master's hand. And so I'd like to give you a practical for what worship looks like individually and corporately. Next week we're going to talk about the expressions of worship, what that looks like. But today we're talking about the heart, the heart of worship. Because you can go through the moves, everybody, of worship, and it means nothing. Let's just be honest. And so there's three things that I want us to remember about worship. The first one is giving worth. Giving worth. Worth. What you give the most worth to is what you value most. What you value most is what will drive you and draw you and lead you to do what you do. What you give worth is what you worship. Worthship. Are you giving God all the worth that only comes from Him? Or are we, much like the Old Testament people of God and the New Testament people of God, or are we distracted and being drawn to things that we are making like God in our hearts? Worth ship. A scribe that we read in Psalm 96. It means to humbly give credit and acknowledgement to God for his attributes and characteristics that already belong to him. It's nothing that we bring to him that he doesn't have. We're just reiterating and giving thanks and responding to those attributes. And as we do, we find ourselves in awe at the worth and the worthiness of our creator, God. God. So we give worth. I love this by a guy named, uh, a preacher, a uh, pastor, teacher, and uh, author called Vadi Bachman. Vadi Bachman. He says this, our worship is not a response to how Jesus makes us feel. Uh-oh. Our worship is a response to Jesus' worth regardless of how we feel. Worship is not about feelings. Worship is about worth, value. And believe it or not, no matter if you're having a sucky day or an awesome day, God is still worthy of all of our praise. Let me say that again. Whether your circumstances are stormy and grim and desperate and terrifying and horrible and filled with anxiety and worry and all this confusion and desperation or whether you're on top of the mountain and life has never been better doesn't matter how you feel even you come to church from an argument in the car <laughs> hello or you read something on Facebook that totally ticks you off or makes you sad It doesn't matter how you feel because God is worthy of our worship no matter what. And what a gift and sacrifice of worship to say I feel like crud monkeys and yet God you are worthy of my praise and I'm going to give you everything I have crap and all for you. Come on. I know I'm speaking to someone because I'm speaking to me. The second part, the second part of worship is adoration, adoration. Again, adoration is not an emotion or a feeling necessarily. Adoration is, a, adoration is adoring that which has the most worth and value in your life. And can I just... Can I just gently but yet so genuinely say that in our culture, and I don't believe for thousands of years this has changed, but so often we put our children, and even those we love most, in the throne of our worship. It's because they become your, we hear people say, my everything. We make them an idol. And that's not fair to them. They were never created to be an idol. They were created to be our children, whom we love and take care of, but they are not the one to receive the worth and our everything. And so if you're there, just know that God is smiling at you right now and says, you just heard my heart. I love you. I want to be your everything. And he's worthy of it adoration. There's very few people in your life you adore. There's a reason for it. Adore is an intimate word. And adoration is very different than proclaiming the goodness of God, declaring and singing the goodness of God. It's when that moves into adoration, which is when intimacy is being experienced. Adoration. We have giving worth, adoration, and lastly, surrender. This word is very difficult to receive sometimes. Surrender is in the way of understanding that we have nothing to give and we cannot do it on our own. And in 2006, I learned this lesson that I needed to learn about worship. You see, in order to understand worship, in order to experience the heart of worship, you need to understand surrender. The tricky thing is, in order to understand surrender, you have to be broken. Who likes being broken? I don't think anybody here. Broken represents something that is a mess and not right. But that's the whole point. In order to understand surrender, you need to be broken. And in order to be broken, you need to be dropped. And when you drop, many of you shatter. And that is the hardest place in life to be. When all the pieces of everything you lived for and everything you thought you were to be were shattered in front of you. How can that be worship? Well, in order to worship, we need to understand that we are broken, that we are helpless in need of a Savior. And when we lay our scattered pieces before the Almighty God who created us, He begins to peace. After peace, after peace put us back together better than we were ever before we were broken. And some of the pieces that scattered remain on the ground while God pieces other things to your life. Some things need to remain shattered and broken in front of you. To understand worship, we need to understand surrender. In order to understand surrender, we need to be broken. And in order to be broken, we need to be dropped, hit, crushed, whatever it is, to when we're broken and we shatter. It's in the crushing. It's in the pressing where grapes are made into what they were ultimately designed for. The best of the best creates that wine, that fermented wine. They have to be pressed. Olives have to be pressed and pressed and pressed to get that oil the best. It's the brokenness. It's the shattered pieces that God is worshipped. Surrender. So let, follow me with these. What you give the most worth to in life, in your heart, Will be that in which you adore. And that which you give the ultimate worth to, and that which you give adoration to, will be what you surrender your life. my heart rejoices because I just feel like the Lord is just moving in some of your hearts like he never has before. Some of you are like, why didn't I learn this as a kid? What you give worth to, what you place at the highest place of your heart is what you will adore, is what you will draw to, what will drive you. And what you give worth to and what you adore will ultimately be what you surrender your life to. What is worship? Wow. Eat on that for a few days. Number two is what is worship for? We say our worship is for God. What in the world is that? and i want to focus on the three letter word not god the three letter word for f o r four so i know you're with me can you just say four that's when i got it. sorry four <laughs> daniel got it <laughs> four and in order to illustrate this i want to use the student ministry aim as an illustration, and they're like, oh no, what he's, what is he going to say? It's actually really good because you guys illustrate what I want us to understand for. There was about 20 of them in the sp- late spring that stepped up to a need when no one else would. My neighbor was and is still sick with stage four cancer that is spreading through his entire body. And he's a workaholic. He's never asked for favors. But I could tell they were struggling because they could not maintain the outside of their yard any longer. And he could not do it, nor could he afford to hire people to do it. And so Jeff and Tiffany said something to the youth and About 20 of them showed up. And I want to illustrate it by this, that this man, my neighbor, is ill and he's helplessly laid up. His house and his yard is suffering from disrepair. The yard is overgrown and desperately in need of some TLC. You and your small group Let's just say the AIM students, what they did, they gathered together and they all came in the youth van, loaded up, and you should have saw the eyes of my neighbor when they flooded out of the van. And they come out and he says, why are you here? And what do they say? We're here for you. There's that three letter word, for. We're here for you. Think about it. Think about that three letter word, four. You are telling, or they are telling, my neighbor that they are there to present something to them in order to provide service for him that he is not able to do himself. He is weak and sickly and in great need, and the youth are there to do for him what he lacks in his ability to do for himself. He realizes as he sees them coming onto the yard that he needs them, and they are there to supply a service in which he is not able and strong enough to do for himself. So now once the yard is cleaned and looking incredible, they trimmed, they weeded, they trimmed the bushes, and they they put all the stone. I mean, these these kids were exhausted. They put all the stone in the backyard, and they mulched, and they took care of everything. Once they did that, he comes out of the yard and he tells me, I can't believe you are being so kind to me. He says, I simply didn't have the time nor the energy to do for myself what these teens just did for me as tears come down his face. He says, hardly anyone has ever shown that kindness to me. What are we doing individually and corporately as a church when we gather and sing praise to God? What are we doing? What is our intent? What is it that we believe we're achieving? Because that's where that four-letter word, three-letter word, four comes in. When we sing, God, we are here for you. In what sense do we use that word for? And I love this because uh, a guy named, um, what's his name? Uh, Can you put that quote up there? Sam Storm says this, our worship doesn't meet a need in God. What? It meets a need in us. Read that internally right now. Our worship doesn't meet a need in God. It meets a need in us. What I want to understand through this three-letter word for is this. And the Apostle Paul says it in Acts the best. The God who made the world and everything in it. Sounds like Psalms 96, doesn't it? Being the Lord of heaven and earth does not live in temples made by man. Lives in us nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God does not need you or your worship. And there's different beliefs out there and we can agree to disagree and worship God together. But God doesn't need something that he doesn't have that we can give him in worship. That doesn't make sense. Why would we bring something to God that he doesn't already possess? He's God. He's perfect. He never changes. He is holy. He is righteous. He is merciful. And he is all just and right. And will ultimately have the final say for my life, your life, and everything in this earth and universe. That's God. The God who made the world and everything in it, being the Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. You see, worship, get this, get this, get this, write it down. Write it on your hearts and your minds. Worship is not about doing something for God, like he needs what you're going to bring. Rather, it's our response to our deep need of creator, Abba, Daddy, Father God. And then it's our gratitude for him showing up and coming to our rescue. That's worship. That is worship. I want to hit another point of that three-letter word, four. Let's go back to the illustration of AIM, students, they for my neighbor. Just imagine with me, two hours into the service, obviously they're thirsty, they're hungry, they're getting weary, and all of a sudden a van pulls up with fresh cold water for them. Suddenly, it appears offering ice-cold, refreshing water. What do they do? They run to the driver and say, we are here for you. But their intent doesn't mean they're there for what they can provide to the person in the van with the water. They're there for their desperate need of refreshment. Very different than what they were doing for my neighbor. They were providing something he could not provide for himself. Now, they're there for the person with water. Not for something they can give to them, but something they desperately need for themselves. You follow? That's worship. That's what the for means. We desperately and hunger and thirst for the righteousness and the mercy and the love of Father God. So much so that when we say we're here for you, that means nothing we can bring to you, Father, is going to meet a need that you don't already have, but my need is great, and I need you. And when the Lord satisfies you, you are filled with worship. You respond back to the refreshment that God gives. And with that, If you don't feel God, if you don't sense God, you feel dry, you feel weary, you feel spiritually weak, you know what you need to do? You need to worship God. What? Yeah, because when you worship God, you acknowledge who He is, you give Him the worth that He needs, and then when He fulfills it in your life and fills your cup, then your cup runneth over, and you just continue to praise God. And then you do it again, and again, and again, and again. And that's why God's mercies are new every morning. It's a cycle of worship. We don't bring anything to God in worship that He doesn't already have. We bring to God our broken, shattered pieces that we desperately need Him to restore and to repair. And finally, I'd like for you to read this slide. If we gather for God, thinking that He stands in need of us, we insult Him. But if we gather for God to drink deeply, and feast upon all that he has for us in Jesus, we honor him. You see, you cannot worship God until you've received from God. See what I'm saying? You have nothing to give him. But yet, when you receive the goodness and the faithfulness and the mercy of God, you have so much to give back, and that's gratitude, reverence, adoration, worship. I'd like to call the band up as we gather to respond and worship. And I'd like to put the slide back up for our application that has the three points of worship giving worth, adoration, and surrender. And I'd like for you to do one of two things. Either close your eyes so you can just focus, or just look at the screen of those three words. And I just want you to take a spiritual heart inventory of where you are. And I love the heart of God where he says, I'm not going to condemn you. You are welcome to approach me just as you are because my son Jesus paid for you and loves you. Come as you are. You failed, come as you are. You're weary, you've made, you messed it up, come as you are. And then when you start to understand God's worth, and you begin to give Him the adoration that He alone is due, worship will change you from the inside out. So let me ask you, what in your life are you giving the most worth to in your heart? If you could imagine in your heart there's a throne, who or what is sitting in it And if that is not the one who created you and holds everything together, it's an idol, and it needs to be cast and thrown down from the throne. And that's called repentance. It's a spiritual word, repentance, but that means casting down anything that doesn't deserve the throne. Only one deserves the throne of our hearts, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. are you giving worth to? What needs to change? Maybe you have never, ever, ever let Jesus have your heart. Today, could start your life of worship by opening your heart to Jesus who changes everything. Doesn't give you a bed of roses. He was the rose trampled on the ground. But it gives you victory over every situation in your life. Second of all, that which you give worth and value to is what you adore. How have you in your life shown adoration to God lately? Where is it? Where do you need to get back to? What do you need from the living God who has everything to supply your needs? And lastly, I understand that there are many here who are going through what some would say is the worst season of their life. I know there's many of you who are hurting you're thirsty, you're broken, you don't know how many times you can be tossed and turned anymore. You've lost so much and you're waiting for God to break through. Can I encourage you this morning to just offer those broken pieces to God. Surrender them to the God who makes all things new. And in all things, Romans 20, uh 8, 28, in all things, God works together for good to those who love him and call to his purposes. And so for the remaining time that we have left today, I want you to encounter the living God. I want you to engage with the living God, however you feel comfortable It may be bowing at the altar. It may be asking for prayer. It may be standing with your arms stretched high. Whatever it is, I want you to engage God and let him know you are here. Not for him in a need that you can bring anything that he doesn't have or, or, or needs. It's you're here because you are in desperate need of him. And allow him to meet those needs in you today, Father through your Holy Spirit, come in a powerful way and move in our hearts today. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly impact Bible study podcast as well. Both of our weekly podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.